Hello, Syngap land. My name is Michael Gralia, and today is Tuesday, May 9th. This is episode 104 of Syngap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing on everything you need to know about Syngap 1. I want to start by thanking Lauren Perry for doing episode 103 last week while I was on the road and for talking about all the incredible work that you all did for Sprint for Syngap. That was exceptional. We raised $243,000, $243,794, I should say, um, for research, and 100% of that will go directly to science. Thank you to the 849 donors who helped us raise that money, and the link is still open. So if you want to be donor 850 and get us over the hump to 250, that would be great. Still time. Lauren did an amazing job of doing the rundown of what everyone did. Um, there was one family who didn't let us know they got to get together. We sang Phoebe's praises many times. This newly diagnosed family, diagnosed a couple months ago, immediately did a fundraiser, raised over $30,000. But they also did a get together. And they, in the DC area, they had 75 friends and neighbors come together people from DC, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania. They had donuts. They did a two mile walk. It was just a real, they, in their own words, it was very emotionally overwhelming for the family. I understand that. I understand that. But I think it was in a good way. I think it's good to say, oh my gosh, this is a terrible thing. But look at our community rallying around us. Look at what we've been able to do um, because of Emily's great work. So thank you to Phoebe's fight. Thank you to everybody. Sprint for Syngap is a victory. We're going to do it again next year. We're going to raise even more money. We're going to fund even more science. I'm going to talk about all the science we're funding soon. We got a, we got a backlog of press releases, by the way. If anyone out there wants to be our press officer and help us shepherd all these press releases, we could use the help and also work with our external press team who's doing great work, by the way. Other thing I want to talk about, I do want to get to the trip, but I had to hit some, I got to hit some news items here. Uh, Stoke had an earnings report this week. Stoke, as you know, is the first company to announce they're working on Syngap 1. Um, they're doing an ASO. First, they're working on Dravet, and then they had an ophthalmology indication, and then Syngap is next on their list. So they just had an earnings call. They said they're on track to report data for their phase one, two on STK001, which is their Dravet drug. And they've also received authorization to start a trial for STK002, which is their ophthalmology drug, their eye drug, both using the Tango technology. Um, and hopefully STK, well, we know STK003 is Syngap, so hopefully that'll be the next trial they're announced. We're excited to see them continue to succeed. They do mention in their slide deck, I put the link in the show notes, that they have $254 million in the bank. That's good news because these trials are phenomenally expensive and scientists are very expensive. And Stoke having money in the bank is, is great news. So we are excited about Stoke's success. We wish them well. And uh, check out those slides if you're unfamiliar with Stoke. They are, they are moving a fast clip on ASOs. Um, Praxis also had an earnings call. I haven't had a chance to go over that one yet, but good news. Be hopeful. Be grateful that we have a company working on Syngap 1. I'm telling you, it is it is not a given. Um, webinars. There was a webinar last week with Jillian McKee where she talked about what we've learned from the Syngap population based on the citizen data. That's an exceptional webinar for a couple of reasons. First of all, it builds on the citizen data. So for those of you who haven't signed up for citizen, come on, people. Share your data, help us accelerate research. For those of you who have signed up for Citizen, log in, update, make sure all the records we have are current. Um, and for those of you who wanna know what kind of drugs our kids take and how our kids show up in the data, go watch that webinar. And I gotta tell you, um, in the middle of that webinar, I got a little teary-eyed because I'd had a really emotional meeting at one of the meetings I'd gone to. And I had just spent the morning with a couple of parents whose kid have, a, I don't even remember the disease, honestly. And 
there's precious few of these kids. And I was talking to mom about all the things that need to happen. And she got all teary eyed and she said, I don't know if it's time. And um, I was really sort of overwhelmed for her. Like I was, my empathy kicked in and I felt her pain. And then I walked into this webinar and there's Jillian McKee talking about how much we know about Syngap and how organized we are and how much data we have. And, and with such clarity. And I was just so grateful for that good work that I got teary. It's very weird. It's very weird. Anyway, good webinar in spite of me crying. You guys check it out. And there's two more webinars coming up. Dr. Smith is talking about catatonia in neurodevelopmental disorders like Syngap 1 on May 11th. And Dr. Lacoste, who we're, we're hoping we'll start doing some more Syngap research, is, is giving us an update on the brain endothelium. So all of those webinars you can watch or sign up for at syngap.fun slash webinar. Check it out. Learn about your kid's disease. Future's bright. Speaking about learning about Syngap in our community, as you know, we recently started a second podcast. So this is Syngap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing. But Ashley Fry is like, no, Mike, we have to do interviews. We have to help people get to know people. And she's right. But I was like, ah, dude, I'm done. One web, One podcast. That's what I do. So Ashley has launched Syngap Stories, and she's been interviewing incredible members of our community. If you don't subscribe to Syngap Stories, go subscribe to Syngap Stories. And she just interviewed Peter Halliburton, who is one of the SRF OGs. I mean, Peter just showed up, started knocking things out, did a fundraiser on day one. Awesome guy, and a really great interview with, with Ashley. So go listen to episode seven of Syngap Stories. And then speaking of celebrating our incredible volunteers, many of you know Janie Reed. Um, or JR, we've probably read her book, More of Everything, or maybe you had the good fortune of talking to her to understand your diagnosis. She is a parent and a geneticist. We're grateful to have her in the community. And she did an interview with Once Upon a Gene, who is the OG of rare podcasting. Um, so JR and Effie Parks, Effie is Once Upon a Gene, talking in episode 184 of Once Upon a Gene. You got to listen to that one. Links in the show notes. Another thing that happened while I was on the road um, was Brain Donation Awareness Day. Um, not while you're living, but, but, you know, when a Syngap patient passes, it would be amazing if we donated their brain to science, because we can learn a lot about this disease from human brains. Like the, one of the biggest problems we have is un interrogating neuronal tissue and we can't take it out of our skulls because the brain's doing some work. So what we do is we grow these iPSCs and we grow neurons. Anyway, it's a lot of work. And, and of course, I don't want any of our patients to pass prematurely, but if they do, or if they pass appropriately, we need to get those brains into the hand of researchers. And we partnered with the Simons Foundation slash the Autism Brain Net to handle that. There's a blog about it, read about it, think about it, um, maybe register so that when our patients pass, Tony is registered. I hope he doesn't pass for a very long time. But if he did, I would donate his brain to science. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because it was Brain Donation Awareness Day, so that's my excuse to mention it, because otherwise, who wants to talk about brain donation? And that's part of the problem. That's why we have so few brains. Um, good news, we had an article come out today in the Utah Press about Dr. Clement Chow. Dr. Chow, uh, we have a, given him a grant, and he is engineering little fruit flies, those little annoying things that eat your bananas, and, and basically their eyes are just big seas of neurons. So they've changed their eyes so they can see how much Syngap they have. Just read the article. And we're going to feed them all a bunch of drugs and we do another drug screen. Yes, we're doing a drug screen with Rarebase, but uh, flies give us another chance to potentially validate some hits. Uh, I'll update you guys on Rarebase soon. We're getting some news out of them. But wanted to thank Dr. Chow for working with us. There's a great article there. You should read about it. Other exciting news. So much exciting news. Ben Prosser just put out a paper in Nature, which is one of the high impact journals. Big deal. 
at talking about his ASO, as you know, uh, Ben Prosser, Dr. Prosser, I should say, uh, has been working on ASO's therapies for STX-BP1 and Syngap1 for some time. Uh, the preprint came out a while ago. I talked about it, but this, so the preprint is like a draft that's published, directionally correct. And, and the final paper is after they onboard, you know, feedback and add more data. So this final paper that's published in Nature has in it data on two different patient cell lines. Again, can't take the neurons out of the head to test it, but you can take the blood, take the iPSCs, grow neurons, and test the therapies in neurons. And that's what that's what Ben did in these two cell lines. It's very exciting stuff. Um, so read that paper. It's pretty dense. It's pretty dense. Read the paper or give it to your favorite scientist, but just realize there's some exciting science happening there. And uh, that technology, I believe, um, has been licensed to a company, and hopefully they use that paper as, as encouragement to go forward and work on Syngap-1. Pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff. So let me talk about my trip, my big trip. I've been gone for 10 days and I, I resist travel because I like, I'm a homebody. I like to be with my family. I like to work from home. Um, but there were just some really important meetings back to back. So I did them all. First, I went to the boot camp. Ultragenics hosts a boot camp for rare rare disease leaders. And, and they keep inviting me back because I like to talk and they, they need people to talk. So um, had a great meeting. Really enjoyed talking to uh, Yale, who was the director of it and just sort of, one of the one of the strong leaders in our community and also others and and Allison Burnett was there from fast and it was interesting you know I was like guys you know are there a lot of companies right now and we talked a lot about the market and how the biotech industry is suffering and, and suffering for capital and it's not as easy as it was a couple of years ago to get people interested in in working on new monogenic diseases so in a sense we got lucky that we people started saying, okay, let's put Syngap on the list back when they had money. And now Syngap's on the list. We're kind of in the pipe. But it's harder today to get people to do that. So that, that's kind of an interesting thought, something to be grateful for. And, and also how, how precious and important these partnerships are, which is why we work so hard on them. See above with Stoke, right? $250 million in the bank. Thank goodness. Let's hope some of that money gets, gets invested against Syngap 1. So that's super exciting. And just... So enjoy connecting with people. That was that was good, good meeting. And then I weekend, and then I, on Sunday night I red eyed to Philadelphia, which, which I'm definitely too old to do. And and I landed in Philadelphia where I met Sydney. So Sydney is Emmett's mom. She lives in Pittsburgh. She helps with the Pennsylvania relationship. And Yulia, who is another mom, who's a scientist, who wanted to be a part of these meetings. So the three of us, and that's great because you know six eyes, two brain, three brains, all there paying attention. That's what's good for our community. And we met with the Chop Pen team. So as you know from previous podcasts, Chop Pen has a huge, huge gift to work on therapies for Syngap and STX. And this was a day of meetings for SRF and the STX-BP1 Foundation to um, learn about what's going on. So we spent the morning with the scientists, with Ben and Mike Boland and Elizabeth Heller and, and their labs to learn about what's going on. Very exciting stuff. Um, they're going to be working on ASOs, on gene therapy, on drug repurposing, all of it. And and then in the afternoon, we met with Ingo Helbig, who is the chief child neurologist over there. Uh, and then um, Jillian McGee, who did that webinar I mentioned, who will be focusing on Syngap-1. And another neurologist will be focusing on SCXP-1. Anyway, met the whole clinical team, physical therapists, speech therapists, other therapists. I can't even keep track of it all. And, and learned about the natural history study they're going to do. And I'm going to talk about that natural history study in episode 105. And the takeaway for you there is 
you should do that natural history study. We've been tweeting about it, but I'm going to talk all about it in episode 105 and really break down why we absolutely categorically need to all be a part of that natural history study. It's a huge opportunity for our community. So that was Monday. Monday night, big dinner with the team, tweeted out a cool picture. Tuesday morning, get up. There was a rare drug development symposium also in Philadelphia, which is why we had the other meeting there. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that was great because there was a lot of rare leaders there hosted by Global Genes, which is led by Charlene. And just a great meeting. Learned a lot. Yulia stuck around for that. And, and that was um, that was good on a few levels. I, I think things are about to get complicated, guys. The world's about to get really, really interesting. I, I don't, I'm not going to elaborate because anyway, there's a lot going on in drug development. So here's my here's my Drug development name tag. That was fun. I'm wearing my name tags because it's kind of a meeting-themed um, podcast. And then I got on a plane on Wednesday night. On there's Guess what? There's one flight from Philly to Memphis. Who knew? And I went to Memphis. And um, that's because St. Jude is there. And St. Jude has historically done pediatric cancer. Really cool institution. Really cool story. It was very intentionally put there in, in Memphis. Um, there was a whole racial integration slash equity aspect of St. Jude that I, I'd never really understood, but I think it was super cool. And anyway, so I, I, I say goodbye to Yulia, who was at the RDDS with me and just absorbing and, and learning this space a little bit. And then flew to St. Jude, where I had dinner with um, Kevin and Ashley Fry, Ashley Fry of Syngap Stories, who live nearby. And Kevin joined me at that meeting because Kevin's kind of our St. Jude relationship manager, like Sydney is our Penn relationship manager. And that was super cool because what St. Jude is doing is they've said, okay, we're working hard on pediatric cancer, but we also want to work on neurodevelopmental diseases, mono, monogenic neurodevelopmental diseases, right? And so let, let's get together with some leaders. They invited us down and let's talk about what's going on. And um, it, it's interesting to see that many smart people trying to figure out how to get into this space. And one of the smartest people there, and one of the people they hired a couple of years ago was Dr. Heather Mefford, Dr. Dr. She's an MD, PhD. Heather Mefford from UW is now over at St. Jude. And she's she's uh, been on the SAB of SRF since the beginning. She's an incredible clinician and wonderful human being. And that was just a great to be in the room. And I've, I've been asking her for a year, what's St. Jude doing? And so now I finally get an answer. And what they're doing is they're being really thoughtful and deliberate. And I, no one moves fast enough for my taste, right? So it's, it's not a criticism of St. Jude. I think they're being very deliberate and very very methodical in what they're doing. I don't know if they're going to whip up a Syngap program because I think they're looking at the whole world and trying to figure out what they're doing. I think they're doing some N01 stuff. But the meeting was was really cool. There's a lot of good leaders in the room. And um, some of the last sessions we had about science communication, how do we communicate with this community? How do we get you guys aware of what's coming? And then ethics. What are the ethics of um, clinical trial recruitment? and who gets drug first, right? And I, I could go off on this for hours because we had people on stage who are from Friedrich's ataxia and muscular dystrophy, and they have genetic therapies right now, right? They are dealing with issues of how much things cost and which countries things are available in and who gets the drug first. And okay, now the drug is ready, but do the clinical centers have the capacity to deliver the drug? Like there are some complexities that are being faced by these incredible communities right now that we are nowhere near. Thank goodness. And hopefully they will solve some of those problems, right? But but it's it's one, it adds to my list of communities that I'm following, trying to understand what's going on in the world. Um, 
So that was an absolutely fascinating session. And then, you know, for us, it's a session of, of ethics of, of clinical trials. And people are like, well, who are we going to let into the trials? To be very clear, that's not up to us, right? That's inclusion, exclusion, as defined by um, the, the sponsors of the products. So the drug company, like so when Stoke does a trial for SDKO3, one day, hopefully, they will define, we want kids age X to Y with these symptoms and not those symptoms. And, and even though we're like, we have hundreds of patients, when you start adding inclusion exclusion criteria, that list of hundreds gets pretty small, right? And um, is it ethical to do a placebo trial? Meaning, would we really, you know, recruit twenty kids and then get half of them a placebo and half of them the real drug to see what would happen? Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. Why does that make sense? First of all, we're going to have a natural history study. See natural history study episode one hundred five, which I haven't even recorded yet. Second of all, there's going to be multiple companies recruiting recruiting these kids for these trials. So if company one puts 10 kids in a placebo, company two can't put those 10 kids in a real trial, right? So the ethics of this stuff is really mind-bending. And um, I'm grateful to St. Jude for that meeting. So I was tired. Friday, I was just tired. And I got on a plane and I, my, my head hurt and had all these interesting conversations and I flew home. And um, Part of the reason these meetings are amazing is, is you see old friends, people who've become old friends, right? And uh, I remember when I went to my first rare disease meeting, which was Global Genes uh, in San Diego, I met a couple of people who were really fun. They're uh, Vanessa and Isa. Vanessa's like this very serious, like she's so intense. She makes me look normal. Like she's just like blah, 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 blah. And she, but she really cares. And she was leading Dupe 15Q at the time. And she was with her friend Isa, who leads Ring 14. And... Uh, Yisa is just the kindest, most lovely, um, empathetic, gentle, but brilliant, very, very sharp woman, uh, person I had met at these meetings. And I think it was her kindness and, and, and welcoming manner that really gave me the confidence to keep coming back. Because that first meeting, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. And by the way, I was one of precious few dads. I'm like, why am I here? What's going on? And uh, Yisa was just so cool. And, and Yisa was also at the RDDS with me on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then at St. Jude with me on Thursday and Friday. And I remember when Yisa introduced herself on Thursday to the room, she said, my name's Yisa, I lead Ring 14, chromosomal abnormality, blah, blah, blah. And she said, my little girl Marie just turned 18, which is great, because not, not all of our kids make it to 18. And we were like, yeah, yeah, Yisa's awesome. So, when he, so I woke up on Saturday morning to a text from Vanessa saying, I need you to pray for Marie, because this is serious. Maria Zisa's daughter, and I, and I and I was like, oh, oh, this I don't know what's going on, but this is not good. Like I do not get random texts from Vanessa. And uh, later that night, Marie passed, and um, Sunday there were just a lot of text messages between all of the rare leaders about this, and some deep sadness, some some deep sadness about Marie passing. She she got sick, you know, she went to the ER, and this time she didn't bounce back. And ring 14 is not Syngap 1, and we shouldn't all freak out. But we, we need to recognize that it's possible, right? Our, our, our kids can get sick. Their brains are not correct. And, and, a, and a lot, and I'll reflect personally. I won't speak for anybody else. It's, it's really hard for me to be away from my family. It's really hard for me to get on plane, go to these meetings, um, 
try to figure out what I'm missing, try to figure out who else SRF should be working with, try to figure out what everyone else is doing. But to be away from my family and to, to know that my boys are missing me and and to think that um, they could, as they get bigger, they can get sicker and bad things can happen. And it's ironic in the way that life is ironic that we have to leave the ones we love to go and do this work in the hopes that we can improve the quality and the length of their life, right? So we, you know, it was just a real snap that Yisa went home to her little girl only to take her to the ER for the last time. And um, so much love for Yisa. And I think I was, I was texting with another rare leader today and I was like, this one's just... This was just so heartbreaking for me and she, for all of us. And she just wrote back, she's like, yeah, of course it is, because we all love Issa so much. And that was, that was the right answer. So a lot of love for Issa and her family, the DeWoodies, and our, our deepest condolences on the loss of Marie. Um, and a strong reminder that this work is important. There are kids whom we love that need us. They are fragile. They need better medicine. And that's why we're doing the work we do. That's why we raise the money. That's why I do this podcast every week. That's why I go to these silly meetings. They're not silly. They're important. Because I'm trying to figure out how to help Tony as fast as possible. And, and you should be thinking, I assume you're thinking the same thing because you're listening to this. So in episode 105, I'm going to explain to you why you all need to go to the natural history study. And then after that, I'm going to try to do a podcast updating you on all the science. I think that's the Syngapian screaming in the background. Um, thanks for listening. Please keep the DeWoody family in your prayers. And please plan on doing the natural history study at CHOP. More on that soon. Take care.